Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, calls for a Conservative MP to be removed after allegations he made against Canada's Medical Officer of Health. One of the issues with uh, Justin Trudeau's handling of this uh, situation has been his reliance on the advice of Dr. Theresa Tam. Theresa Tam, we sent an email out today asking, does she work for Canada or for China? Cities ask the federal government for at least $10 billion in emergency funding. We are very aware of the urgency of the situation that municipalities across the country face. They are providing essential services, and at the same time, they have seen their revenues fall precipitously through no fault of their own. And should Canadians worry as some U.S. states move toward easing restrictions? We have uh, strong border measures in place uh, to ensure that we're doing what we need to do to to protect uh, Canada. It's Friday, April 24th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the follow-up podcast, Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. Good morning, Mark. So last night, Derek Sloan, the Conservative MP, sent out another message saying Dr. Theresa Tam must be fired. Andrew Scheer, the interim Conservative leader, was asked about it yesterday and largely avoided the question. What do you think is going on here? Yeah, I was... Uh Quite honestly, I thought it was a bit perplexing, and I know a couple of Conservative MPs have reached out to say that they also don't understand why the leader did not create space between himself and Derek Sloan. So basically what happened was on Wednesday, um, Derek Sloan sent out an email to Conservative members uh, asking for the federal government to fire Dr. Theresa Tam. This is the head of the public, um, the Canada's chief public health officer, basically accusing her of repeating uh, Chinese government propaganda and uh, working, being an agent of the World Health Organization, which is, in his words, effectively controlled by the Chinese government. Um, Andrew Scheer had a press conference early Thursday morning, and he was peppered with questions about, you know, did he agree with Derek Sloan's um, uh, characterization of Dr. Theresa Tim? And Andrew Scheer said that he would not comment on the issue and suggested that he would not comment because uh, it was a conservative leadership race and it would be up for the members, the conservative members, to decide or weigh in on whether or not they agreed with Derek Sloan's comments. He did say um, that he thought the government, the liberal government here, should be held responsible for uh, the perceived failings of the government and not Dr. Theresa Tam. Uh, the Liberals were clearly prepared <laughs> with a comment uh, on uh, Dr. Tam. And um, it, what, what is perplexing, and I, you know, for whatever reason, Mr. Sloan holds these views, which many believe to be racist because of Dr. Tam's ethnic background. Um, it was interesting that Mr. Scheer chose not to create space, because if you'll recall, when Ronna Ambrose was the interim leader and she was facing um, questionable policies from some members of the Conservative Party who were running for the leadership at the time, and I'm thinking specifically of Kelly Leach's uh, plan to screen all newcomers for Canadian values. Remember that? 
she did not hesitate uh, to publicly say that she did not think this was, was good policy, that it didn't make any sense, and also it was not something that she'd like to see. And so I think that some people in the caucus actually expected Andrew Scheer to, to take a similar stance, and he chose not to. All right, let's turn to the government's efforts to address some of the gaps in the funding that's being provided to support Canadians through this crisis. Of course, the cities in this country are asking for at least $10 billion in emergency funding. Uh, How likely do you think it is that the federal government will bail out Canada's major cities? I think there will be pressure um, for the Liberal government to hand the municipalities some money the Liberal government has um, worked pretty successfully with the Kane Federation of Municipalities, with the Federation of Kane Municipalities. And this was an ask that came from them after uh, the mayors held um, a virtual <laughs> conference, if you will. Yeah. Um, what they're basically saying is they're going broke. Uh, they still have to keep providing municipal services. They're losing their tax base. They're losing ridership, for example, on public transit, but they still need to keep maintaining those routes and that they need um, help. They're, in many cases, not allowed to run uh, deficits. They don't actually exist in, uh, in the Constitution, as you know. They're creatures of the provinces, um, and they're having to shoulder a lot of the burden, uh, especially with regards to you know, medical tracing, for example, um, and so without money coming in and lots of money going out, uh, they need some help. Um, and so there was um, not a specific pledge, but I think that that is a message that the government um, is hearing loud and clear. And uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said on Thursday that there had already been a number of conversations with the provinces about these financial challenges and that it's probably something that he and the premiers will talk about possibly today. And what about the funding for self-employed Canadians? Uh, Because I know a lot of people had expressed concern that as the government helped employees and helped companies in this country that were suffering through this crisis, that that was one group that had been overlooked. Yeah, that's actually something that I asked Justin Trudeau about the Prime Minister yesterday, Thursday morning. Um, There are, you know, we've seen this week, for example, the Prime Minister come forward with an announcement on help for students. Um, we know that as of Monday, uh, employees who've seen a 15 or 30% drop in their uh, revenues will be able to um, uh, ask for the Canadian wage subsidy that kicks in uh, early next week. And one group, uh, a pretty substantial group, actually, when you look at employment in this country, 2.9 million Canadians consider themselves or tell Statistics Canada that they are self-employed. Many of these individuals are having to pay commercial rents. Uh, they're having fixed uh, expenses every month, and they are not eligible for anything the government has announced so far. Or I should say they're not eligible for some the business things that have been announced so right. far. So, for example, the Canada business loan, which is something that you need to uh, negotiate with your bank. You need to have a commercial account, but most importantly, you need to have payroll. Self-employed individuals don't have payroll, so they don't qualify for that $40,000 loan, 10000 of which can be forgivable if you pay that money back before the end of uh, 2022, I think it now is. Anyways, in about two years. Um, some people have decided to close up shops so they can access the $2,000 from the CERB. Some people are uh, making more than $1,000 so they can pay, let's say, the $5,000 in fixed costs that they have every month, but 
if they make more than $1,000, they're not eligible for any financial assistance. And so what they're looking for is for the government to offer them, you know, people I've spoken to even a loan, just a free loan. They're not even asking for free money in most cases. They just want the ability to not see their businesses evaporate and basically have no job to come back yeah. to when they're allowed to um, start working again. I was talking to a hairdresser yesterday afternoon, which, you know, um, he's exactly in this predicament and doesn't know um, what he's going to do. And so uh, the prime minister was noncommittal. I think it's just one of the many examples where it seems like perhaps the government underestimated, actually we know, they underestimated the demand when they came out with these programs. And it is now clear that it is costing billions upon billions of dollars to try to address help for everybody, which is like leading a lot of people to question on. It's very interesting that we're having a call for not a a universal uh, wage to everybody, but basically if anybody needs help, they should be able to access help. Right. In that call for people on the conservative side of the issue and on the New Democrat side of the issue and the Greens. So it's kind of a, they're being attacked on this front on both sides. All right. Just quickly, as we wrap up, uh, in the United States, there are some city, some uh, jurisdictions, states that are going mm-hmm. to start uh, relaxing some of the social distancing rules and restart their economies. Uh, it could soon start to happen in some Canadian provinces as well, uh, as uh, there are parts of the country that have not been hit as hard as others or where the rate of infection has slowed significantly. What should we be watching for as all of this happens? And is there some risk in this uh, as as some places, particularly those in the United States, where maybe the rate of infection hasn't slowed that much, uh, return to business? Well, not to speak about the American examples, but the Canadian examples. What we saw on Thursday, for example, was Saskatchewan announced its plan to... Uh, get back to semi-normal life. So beginning in May, through a phased-in approach, um, medical services will be allowed, medically necessary services will be allowed uh, to cure. And then in mid to late May, May 19th, you could have clothing stores and shoe stores and flower shops reopen with social distancing guidelines. Um, And the premier is talking about you could have, you know, people over to your barbecue in your backyard. Um, There... It's clearly an appetite for life to return to normal, but the question is, and I think that's what you're hearing from the federal side of things, um, is it too quickly? Is it happening too quickly? And it is clear that uh, different parts of the country will reopen on different schedules. You can't have Yukon, for example, with 11 cases and no deaths um, return to normal in the same way as Ontario that has more than 12,000 cases and 700 deaths and just you know, on Thursday, we the premier talked about how uh, this is like the peak in Ontario. There were more cases announced on Thursday than there were the previous day, and so yeah. life as we know it will operate on a on a different schedule. But then it raises a lot of questions. You know, what does that mean for interprovincial travel, even within provinces? Um, Calgary and Edmonton have very different infection rates. If the federal government issues a checklist and Edmonton passes, uh, what will those uh, Edmontonians get sick from right. Calgarians who come over <laughs> for the yeah. weekend? It's complicated. Um, it's very complicated. Yeah. And so uh, what is clear is there is an appetite. Politicians are trying to respond to that. 
but we, there's lots we don't know about the virus, about right. immunity, and uh, things are not going to operate as normal for many months, not weeks, many, many months to come. All right. Althea, I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too, Mark. Stay safe. That's Althea Raj, HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief. We need to be thinking not just about the next weeks, but about the next months. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues we need an exit strategy for the economy. Coyne writes, This is not going to be easy or quick. Even if we do succeed in gradually easing the restrictions that have strangled the economy, the economy is not going to suddenly roar back to life. Until they are sure they are safe, people will be slow to return to their normal routines, and they will not be sure they are safe for some time, which means we have not yet begun to count the costs of the pandemic. It will take years to dig ourselves out of the debt we have already incurred. In the Toronto Star, George Fallis considers the factors in reopening Canada's economy. Fallis writes, It will be gradual, with the pace set in consultation with public health officials. Individual industries will be opened up in different ways and at different paces. Some will bounce back very quickly. Some will struggle. And many small businesses will not return. The pace of Canada's recovery will also depend on the decisions of our trading partners and on what happens to the price of oil. We face a microeconomic problem intertwined with a public health problem because COVID-19 will be popping up again and again over the next six months. At globalnews.ca, Tasha Carradine asks if COVID-19 will speed up workplace automation. Carradine writes, The value of unsung heroes, such as grocery clerks and delivery people, has increased. And when companies fail to support their staff, they get negative publicity. They are scrambling to safeguard workers by making changes that cost money and might be impossible to sustain. When workers become more expensive, the incentive to find alternatives to their labor increases. Robots don't get sick. They don't strike. They don't demand higher wages for dangerous jobs. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin considers what cheap fill-ups mean for Alberta. Martin writes, Those 70-cent liters are the hemorrhaging lifeblood of an Alberta tumbling into an economic abyss. It is throttling a sector generating more than 10% of the gross domestic product. The question is whether this represents an existential crisis for a provincial economy which could actually fail to reopen, one which has kept the national balance sheet afloat on oil and gas royalties and has never, ever been an equalization payment drain. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Both the Parliamentary Budget Officer and the head of Canada's Public Health Agency will be making announcements today. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, with the government having announced upwards of $200 billion in emergency spending since mid-March to try to get Canadian businesses through the economic crisis, it was only a matter of time until the Parliamentary Budget Officer got busy trying to check the government's numbers and give his own independent costing of some of the programs. Today, Parliamentary Budget Officer Yves Giroux will release his cost estimates of four programs. The two most notable ones will be the multi-billion dollar small and medium-sized business loan guarantee program, which is being run by Export Development Canada and the Business Development Bank. That is to guarantee loans and to small and medium-sized businesses faced with a credit crunch. The PBO will also cost out the Canada Emergency Business Account. And that's the program offering businesses an immediate $40,000 loan, up to a quarter of which can be forgiven if they meet certain conditions. 
Now, the other thing we're watching for today, Mark, is something the head of the Canada Public Health Agency, Dr. Theresa Tam, said she would be probably releasing today the government's revised modelling or as best and worst case scenarios for the impact of the coronavirus. Now, health officials have always warned that modelling is just that, a set of models which help authorities plan for what course of action to take faced with the epidemic. A few weeks ago, Dr. Tam and her colleagues released modelling which suggested that Canada could see between 500 and 700 deaths by April 16th. Well, by that date, Canada had recorded considerably more deaths, more than 1,300 Federal health officials say that's because of the much higher rate than they anticipated of deaths in long-term care institutions. So it will be interesting to see what they have to say when they issue their revised modelling, and maybe there may be some questions about where it might all go with several provinces already moving towards reducing restrictions aimed at curbing the spread of COVID-19. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will host a call with provincial and territorial premiers ahead of his daily news conference on the coronavirus. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, April the 24th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day and weekend for coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.